All right, this is Dr. Carmen, and you are on the couch with Dr. Carmen and Aaron Gilbert, who is a master Reiki expert. Aaron can correct me if that is the correct title for her, but um, Aaron and I met through social media because we share some similar passions on healing and healing trauma. Um, Aaron's story started with um, child development. She was in child development and ran a preschool as a lead teacher for years. And then she, um, she, I don't know if you would say yielded Aaron, but, um, she decided to go into the family business and continue (laughs) her mother's work. Yes. Um, she is a second generation Reiki therapist and, uh, she does a lot of consultations with, um, individuals with trauma history and other things she can tell you more about where Reiki applies. But she also, interestingly enough, works with other uh, PhD therapists like myself um, to help them deal with the energies that they're inundated with their job, which I can totally relate to. (laughs) (laughs) But she she helps them shift those energies and keep their energies high. So um, Erin has 2,500 hours of practice under her belt. She is a master level Reiki practitioner and has been practicing for 22 years. Welcome to uh, On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. How are you? (laughs) I'm wonderful. How are you today, Dr. Carmen? I'm doing well and trying to stay well, which is another reason to uh, engage in work with someone like you that's so so that I can stay well (laughs) excellent well said yeah well thank you for having me uh I think was perfect I I did teach for 15 years and given that child development has always been a passion and also a natural inclination for me um something that I'm naturally uh gifted at when it comes to working with children and understanding where they're at and how to meet them where they're at and then how to assist in that natural growth and development uh it was a a pretty natural progression then for me to continue work in um doing deeper philosophical psychological studies. I also have a bachelor's in uh, psychology as a science. And then as you said, Dr. Carmen, the family business has been to do a more traditional modality of healing um, known as Reiki. And I'm at the mastery level of that. That's awesome. I bet you're helping a lot of people, including professionals like myself. That's true. And that's that's the profound gift of it uh, for the people that I help and also for myself. Every working with someone to help them heal I get some healing from it too oh wow yeah that is great um it's it's interesting um can you tell our audience more about how Reiki helps I mentioned trauma but can you tell them a little bit more about what you do and how that works Sure. Um, well, for the very newcomer to the concept of Reiki uh, or to, to the tradition of using energetic healing, which is what Reiki is at its core, I like to start out by um, just getting everyone on the same in knowing that everything in the universe is made up of energy. And I like to have people think about whether it's a mountain or the ocean or a molecule 
or you and I, Dr. Carmen, uh, we have energies within us. We have energies all around us exist and cannot be, um, you know, demolished in any way. Uh, there's, you know, you cannot destroy energy, if you will. It uh, has to go somewhere. So believe it or not, when you're, say, sitting quietly reading a book uh, and someone walks up behind you and you don't see them or hear them, you can sense that there's someone standing behind you, right? Yes. Yes. And so the, the believe it or not part is that that's the kind of energy that we hold within us all the time. The, the very energy that you would sense from someone walking up behind you um, also exists in and around them um, no matter where they're walking through life. And so you and I are holding on to energies as well. And when we experience some kind of trauma, which could be as, I don't want to say insignificant, but maybe um, less as perhaps, you know, if you cried yourself to sleep at night as an infant, uh, you wouldn't even have a waking memory of that occurrence in your life. But it can create a trauma that uh, then you have to grow up with and and cope with. And when things like that happen and we're so unconscious of them, it's really just an energy that we're holding that causes that trauma to continue to cause problems for us through life and then of course as you know too well Dr. Carmen a trauma could be something much more severe um, like maybe physical accident or war or um, some type of abuse and those energies can be held body as well so whereas you would work with an individual to discuss what they are consciously aware of I would be working with an individual to deal with what they're unconscious of. That's what, what the basis of the energy work is. I kind of got chingles just thinking about it. <laughs> it's so wild. I mean, especially the unconscious part. Um, I'm not trained in Freudian uh, approaches to psychology, but that unconscious part, I believe, plays a big role in much of our waking life, as you put it. Um, my version, I don't want to say my version of Reiki, but using the unconscious and helping somebody to deal with it on their own without having to constantly rehearse that traumatic memory um, yeah. is EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which right. was originated by Francis Shapiro. Mm -hmm. So we get you to kind of align all of those subconscious memories in a way that it's not fractured anymore. I like to think about it as putting the puzzle pieces back together or um, making them fit better so you can make sense and move past the trauma, learn what you need to learn from the trauma. Mm -hmm. I know that may be a hard concept for some of our listeners about how can this bad thing that happened be something that I can learn from, but mm -hmm. The goal is to learn and do better so that we can be functional human beings. And you said mild trauma. Um, so, I, well, I'm saying mild trauma uh, as opposed to the big T traumas, which would be some of those other things you mentioned. But the little ones, the little mm -hmm. T traumas can add up when you're having little T traumas like constant uh, 
food insecurities or um, fearing for your safety because maybe you live in a very dangerous neighborhood and you never know what you're going to come home to and Mm -hmm. then having maybe a natural disaster or physical abuse or sexual abuse or any of those things happen to you. All of that can really knock off your energies and make it hard for you to be whole energistically and psychologically. I agree with that. And I think it's really fascinating to me that you brought up EMDR because that's a a kind of a a interesting point where energy work and uh, psychological work can meet in the middle because where you're working with uh, through EMDR with the unconscious um you know lingering pieces of trauma in someone's uh psyche i'm working with more what's been held in the body so a lot of people may have heard of an aura i can also call that an energy field many of our listeners may have heard of which are the energy centers in the body. And some of us might be able to picture that, um, you know, a lot of spiritually based communities and and yoga uh, communities and things like that will use an image of a human who has sort of rainbow uh, circles going up their part of their body. So those circles in that, that image, if any of you can picture it, or maybe we can put it in the liner notes, uh, would be representing the chakras in the body. And so where EMDR um, allows you, Dr. Carmen, to work with someone subconsciously, I'm working with those chakras where the energy has held from a trauma or or other things. Um, It could be a deeply held limiting belief that we hold the energy in those chakras and I'm able to work with it, having less to do with the psyche and more to do with actually the body. And so a fascinating thing about how energy can be stored and can inhibit us from having our most success and abundance and peace of mind and clarity. If even one of those little T traumas occurred in childhood um, or at any time in life, we store energy that has sort of the, the tone or the quality that is unique to that type of, of traumatic experience. And as we go through life, that almost has a magnetic pull for similar type of energies. So a real life example I can give you of this, and I'm very protective of my client's confidentiality. So I'll just kind of high level um, scenario. I I had a business professional um, who was quite high up, a C-suite executive who came to me for help and was doing one of my six session packages, um, which is not just the Reiki, but has spiritual coaching in addition to the Reiki sessions. And it turned out that the anxieties that she was feeling at work that simply came from the pressure of getting too many emails and all of those things that many of us who do any kind of business or office work deal with every day, she was having uh, really an overreaction of anxiety to that type of normal business pressure. And so she came to me for assistance and it had turned out that she had in an event um, where there was a fire when she was just a young child and she had felt the pressure and 
anxiety and the fight or flight response that naturally anyone would have when they find themselves, you know, in in flames potentially. And she had to flee the building. And she had created an energetic block in one of her lower chakras um, that was so resonant with her experience that had a similar panic type feeling to the energy of it that she was becoming overwhelmed and so that's the kind of thing that reiki work can move the energy out of your your chakra and your energetic field you clear that would go really beautifully with the type of work that you do because the emdr could be helping a client like this example um to bring up some of those memories, maybe bring them more to light, maybe talking through it. What what would the EMDR do, Dr. Carmen, in this example? With the, with the EMDR, we're trying to change the language of how they think about themselves in those circumstances. So for example, if your client had felt uh, helpless or her overall from that incident that I am powerless to keep myself safe we would work uh-huh. to change that to you know I I am resourceful or I have everything I need to stay safe uh-huh. or I'm strong or if it were you know something else about um, I'm never enough we would change mm-hmm. that to I'm more than enough to put it in more simplistic terms but mm-hmm. what is the thought what is the feeling that goes with it we look at the body sensations as you put it it's not chakras but it's body sensations whether yeah. it's you know shivering freezing up locking up shutting down yeah. stomach aches headaches we look at all of those things because those uh-huh. are the physical manifestations of you having those traumatic memories and flashbacks and that fight or flight system is kind of on an endless loop. So we're trying to get that loop broken so you can move forward instead of keep going backward and stop having the past interfere with your present and your future. Uh-huh. Wow. So yeah. that that's really that's important. the goal of EMDR, yes. That's great. That that really resonates with me. And I think that it would be a beautiful, um, you know, kind of a pairing, if you will. Um, I know one thing we wanted to talk about was where does your work leave off and mine pick up. But honestly, for anyone who's really dedicated to doing deep healing work and just putting all of their pain and suffering behind them, Moving forward with that level of dedication, my recommendation is always to do several different modalities in conjunction mm-hmm. with there. So moving um, anything that, that causes us suffering out of the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, body and energy fields. And it's it's that would be the holistic approach, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I, you know, I love that people can be in psychotherapy with a different practitioner and do the EMDR. So I could see that as being the same way um, mm-hmm. where maybe you could be in psychotherapy and then have to learn how to organize your energies, manage your energies better so that you can be more effective in psychotherapy and doing the work there. And then, you know, 
going back and forth in that manner, as well as, you know, if your psychotherapist happens to be EMDR trained like myself, mm-hmm. um, you could also do all of those modalities because ideally we want to look at the whole person. That is another one of my perspectives, holistic approach to mm-hmm. healing. Um, so the spiritual part, as well as the emotional, as well as the physical, mm-hmm. um, if I'm going to send you out to go walking and doing exercise and stuff to help with your anxiety and depression, I would also send you out to do the spiritual work, however that works for you. So energy healing would be yet another component of that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's really interesting um, to my mindset because I did come to this even with my family history of Reiki masters. Um, I had questions for myself about what my relationship was to any kind of spirituality and system. And, um, you know, a lot of um, times we we have a very individual uh, relationship with spiritual development and, and what our system of beliefs is around that. And I want to just encourage that I don't in any way mean, you know, religious dogmas here but more a connection to anything that someone believes is um, a power that might be greater than themselves. It could be a tree or the universe or, (laughs) you know, um, stars or or any kind of belief. But I also caution uh, that we think of Reiki purely as a a spiritual um, practice because there's very some metaphysical um, and traditional physics applications to working with energies and to the very fact that that energy is all around us and um, naturally likes to flow and move and can get stuck. Um, And so there's really kind of a a practical approach as well, I I believe, to um, Reiki energy work and what can be done just in in working with the body in that way. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, can you explain a little bit more about that for the uneducated among us? Uh, You know, what that what that means, the metaphysical differences, and it's not just a spiritual application, it sounds like there's something deeper there that you're working on. Sure. I mean, that's a great question. And and it it is a little bit difficult to make it accessible for for every listener because there be a lot of deep philosophy that goes into this. But if I want to just look at it as maybe someone in physics would, um, first of all, the Japanese word Reiki can be translated to mean life energy. And so universal systems of life, um, anything from, you know, a little seed that is growing to yourself, Dr. Carmen, uh, they're both made up of an an energy and that is required in order to sustain life. Um, Some people believe that when they, uh, in the moment of, um, of death, there is an energy that leaves the body. And uh, I think that a lot of those in the medical profession who have unfortunately had to experience a lot of death and dying um, can speak more in depth around what um, it feels like to be in the presence of that energy leaving. 
But again, back to the the more um, physics-minded piece, let me just talk about if everyone can picture a fork. And, and that's kind of a classical um, instrument that's used in um, experiments, but also musically. Can you can you pick tuning fork, Dr. Carmen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if I were holding a tuning fork and I struck the fork in order to have to create a vibration, the vibration of the metal tuning fork instrument is what would create this you hear that that results from. The, that is the tune of the tuning fork, right? It, it, it right, right. Tune, and similarly, if you were holding a tuning fork and you, the one that I had just struck was vibrating and ringing in order to to give tune, your tuning fork would start to vibrate as well, because the energy of the one that I had struck would vibrate at a rapid enough pace and with enough power that it would cause your tuning fork to vibrate as well. So similar, I'm standing next to you and I'm holding an energy within my body that is one of, you know, or tremendous anxiety. And you come and stand next to me and you're sense the vibration of my angry energy can you imagine a time um or can you think of a time when when you stood next to someone and and could just feel they were feeling coming off of them yeah I will give you an example from therapy work um (laughs) because the vibration the frequency I get that 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 really resonated with me no pun intended but (laughs) You know, working with somebody whose energy was way off, the best word I had for it, it would be just like, I don't know, it was going too fast. It was going too fast and not in a manic or bipolar way. It's just was, it just was really, really off and really, really um, draining is not the quite wor- the right word, but it's like, wow. I just, I, you gave it to me. I didn't really want it but you left it with me. And then I had to do something, meditate actually is what I did to release that energy because it made me so on edge, so uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that's what I think of. Uh Uh-huh. And so that, that's a perfect scenario. Um, And that individual that, that you had in your office um, might be carrying energy every day. And, and that would be a, perfect example of a client who would be really well suited towards Reiki work. Really anyone would. Um, I'm always doing this work on myself to, to clear energies, mm-hmm. especially those that don't belong to me, other people's energies. Um, we can do a little exercise with your listeners, even maybe at the podcast, or we can direct them to my Instagram reels that, that have this exercise where kind of like you mentioned in almost meditative state we just set our intention to release any energies which are not our own and we immediately feel and lighter and when we call our own energy back to ourselves and this might sound a little woo-woo but it's setting an intention and it is you know sitting within our own power to really manage the energies that we do hold within our energy centers we can call our own 
own energy back to ourselves and feel suddenly more whole, more balanced, more complete, and usually more self. It's an experience of feeling almost like I can float in my own energy. And it's just kind of relaxing. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. The imagery that it brings up is just like, yeah. Just want to say, ah, yeah. No. yeah, yeah, and it's funny to me too to think of, um, you know, as I've brought my practice more online than it used to be, um, mostly in response to the pandemic and and to having to have a further reach, um, and also wanting this healing work to be more accessible to every single individual, uh, more and more folks who are new to this practice and it's astonishing how many of them kind of go I'm I'm just curious I just want to try it and then once they get into the work they realize how powerful they've always been at maybe Mm. throwing their energy into someone else's space or holding on to other people's energies which we we have a natural unconscious inclination to do. I think of, and this might be a funny image, Dr. Carmen, but I think of if someone were bugging you and you want to just put them in a headlock to like stop them from a, a, a little silly goose or something who's who's maybe tickling you or something like that. Yeah. That's what we'll do with energies. So if something oh. comfortable comes into our experience, we almost have this inclination to put it in a headlock and hang on to it so that it can't comfortable we want to control it but in Mm -hmm. fact what we've done in that moment is to hold the energy of that uncomfortable experience in our space so that it can continue making us uncomfortable what we should be doing is just letting it flow just letting flow right through us and that's counter to to some of us have established a bad habit of doing and so yeah it's just to you know shine that light on the energy that shouldn't be left in your space and and let it leave let it move yeah I mean well I don't know if it's just my tendency or other listeners who might be out there who have some history of anxiety and you just want to control everything. So the thought of letting it, letting it go, it's like, oh, no, no, no. I got to keep my hold on it. So it's not going to harm me and I'm just going to hold it tight. Yeah. Like you said, arm wrestle it down, put it in a, in a, yeah, it's just totally not what I would do because <laughs> yep. I want to make sure it doesn't do anything further. I want to make yeah, sure you I know where it is. Yep. Yeah. Keep my yes. end. But, but no. Uh, so energy naturally wants to flow always through all things and and. Um, all of the universe really and and so it's our job to figure out how well to learn the tools as to how to let it where we find our most peace of mind calm you know relief and also joy and abundance in life a lot of people who are seeking greater success in their life and, and may not even have any deep trauma in their past or the, the capital T trauma, 
um, find that through Reiki energy work, they can clear things that have been holding them back. And, and again, it's those things that we may not be consciously aware of. We just know something is stopping me from living what I know I can achieve. And Reiki is a great place to start and figure out what that thing is. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, again, relating back to trauma work, you know, a lot of times people get stuck holding on to that and holding on to what was done or what happened and Mm -hmm. don't know how to let it go and still be whole. And that's where the psychotherapy comes in. But I don't want to re-traumatize you by constantly having you tell the trauma tale. I'm here to hold it if you need me, but not to re-traumatize you by constantly repeating it. So that's the, the magic. And I hate to use it that way because it's more powerful as you've demonstrated than just magic to work with the energies, to work with the EMDR, to help you to move beyond that and to get free of that, to unlock it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually do love that word magic because, you know, like that that um that could make us think i don't know i I, I don't like to discredit um by using the word magic and and make it just seem some mystical unattainable or or hard to believe or or prove results from um but it does have that quality of uh something with so much power that can be a little challenging to to understand and and explain you know the system mm-hmm. so so it's it's really beautiful to experience in person and and I do feel a magical that I'm doing this work and that's why you're the master I mean <laughs> you've basically got you know doctoral level training with that plus um, you were telling me some unique things about you know how how you know that you have a true Reiki practitioner that can really help you with some of these sensitive issues um, and to get past your trauma. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that we're addressing that too, Dr. Carmen, because I know as you and I have gotten to know each other, one thing that we're both passionate about is ensuring that people who are seeking which can be so difficult to do. um, I think that that's really the hardest first step for anyone is to gain the courage to acknowledge um, and accept that they need some assistance and then to reach out and then to find the right practitioner. And as much as I think it's a beautiful awakening that I'm seeing happen across the board, across the entire world, um, and especially through social we become really aware of um, the the surge in popularity that traditional healing practices and alternative methods like Reiki have, um, you know, had this this new step into um, popularity. It also gives me a little bit of a red flag because there aren't any regulatory bodies to mm. allow us to do, you know, strong research provider that that we're going to choose and so when it comes to any kind of alternative medicine I would always ask for references from your practitioner I would ask for a certificate Um, these are traditional um, you know 
passed down uh, practices. So, so Reiki in particular would follow a lineage from teacher to student, teacher to student. And so there always should be documentation of that lineage. Your practitioner should be able to clearly tell you which system of healing they were trained in, how many hours of practice they have logged. Um, and then there are, you know, sources like the International Association of Reiki Professionals where you can find someone who's listed themselves as a, a practitioner. But again, check those references always and, and ask for a certificate hours of practice. Is there a difference between um, different lines of lineage or how would they know or does, you know, how many, how deep should they go? Well, I don't know that it's necessary to go. I mean, just as I would want to see probably your PhD or or would want to know where you studied, I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to know where you went to undergrad. Um, So I up to the individual who's doing the questioning as to to how far back they would want. Um, But, you know, again, I I welcome the popularity that we're seeing um, in this this new surge of Reiki practitioners. But I do question um, the validity of maybe like online courses that have popped up, Um, you know, learn Reiki in two weeks, uh, that kind of thing would concern Mm -hmm. me. Because the fact of the matter is, especially with someone who does have trauma in their past, um, even though I'm working with energies that are held within the body, there's an element of psychological hold that these things um, have on an individual. And so before anyone puts their money and much more um, seriously their psyche into my hands, I want them to do their due diligence and know that I'm someone who's reliable, that I don't have any skeletons in my closet, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I have the life experience to perhaps, um, and here's an example, which I'll I'll protect their anonymity. However, um, I had something come up where a client had a concern about her child and, and I thought myself, if I were a, a, you know, doctorate, um, psychologist, I would be a mandatory reporter in this case, but Mm -hmm. I'm not a mandatory reporter, but thankfully I have the training and the life experience to know that I should immediately recommend that that woman, you know, have, have an assessment done. Um, So if there's potential for someone doing harm to themselves or others, a Reiki practitioner is not a mandatory reporter. And if you're going to, you know, maybe an extreme person who's just gotten their certificate for practicing Reiki online is that someone that you really want to put a lot of faith in um, when it comes to things that can be really serious life issues. Right. To have the training Mm -hmm. to know when um, they need to get somebody else involved, um, authorities, or um, where somebody needs some deep psychological work. Right. Um, Exactly. That's important. And same thing here. You you want to know if you're a psychotherapist, if you're a psychologist or your licensed mental health counselor or social worker has a, a license to practice where you are. Um, as I was explaining to Aaron, we can only practice at least for now. Um, mm-hmm. psycho, psychotherapists can only practice 
in the state where they're licensed. Now we can get multiple uh, state licenses, but you need to know, do they have an active license where they are, where you're getting treatment? You need to know if the mental health board in that state, the governing body has any complaints or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You need to know that they have an actual college certificate. Psychologists need to have a doctorate. Yeah. you need to know if the other professionals have a bachelor's or a master's and any other special certifications like EMDR yeah. or hypnosis, all of those things. Right. Right. I, yeah. I really encourage that. And I actually have a question uh, for you as well on that topic, because I know that you have a balanced approach to giving coaching services and then those other, um, you know, specialties that you're trained in like EMDR. And then you have, of course, your PhD in psychotherapy and you are licensed in the state of Florida. So do you have any kind of questions about your own identity and how they differently in those different, um, you know, types of treatment? And like, when do you put on your hat and when do you put on your coach hat how does that work um well psychology um and my psychology hat is more driven by me it's a directive approach I make diagnoses I do treatment plans and things like that with the coaching part it's really the person who is coming to me it's where you want to go and me assisting you on that journey if your goal is to you know change jobs and get some coaching for getting a better job or if your goal is to do better health habits you know we look at that but you're you're kind of in charge in that case um it's it's a different thing i don't get to push you i don't get to prod you in certain directions it's just you know, clearly this is what we're working on. This is what you want to work on. Um, I can help you organize yourself better, but it's up to you. I can't, I'm not, mama bear is not the right word, but again, I'm not the authoritative person in the relationship. Yeah. Wow. That's a really eloquent (laughs) and succinct answer. I've been so curious about that. And, um, that's fascinating to me, um, because you're, you're talking about, you're putting it in perspective from the lens of the client, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really, that's really great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, because oftentimes I have to be a lot more directive in my psychology role than I am in the coaching role. Um, It was a distinction to try to help myself make the balance. Now, on paper, the board of psychology would still say I'm still led by all my psych training. Mm -hmm. So that that is the higher level uh, that I have to rise to always. Sure. As far as my ethics are concerned, because I'm bound by ethics because of psychology. Mm-hmm. So I always have to work on making sure I'm ethically where I need to be in the psychology front, no matter what I'm doing in the coaching front. Mm-hmm. So if I if I hold to that principle, then everything else is going to be OK, more or less. Wow. So I can't be a coach like you and coach them spiritually or health wise and then a reportable thing comes up and not report the thing right right yep 
And I guess that's where I have a little little cause you know for concern um around these alternative modalities and the the prominence that they are shifting in in our world um because without seeing that ethics board attached to it we're really just leaving it up to the individual practitioner and so you know the call to action here i guess is for any of your listeners to just do their due diligence and and i know that I'm someone and I would I would trust that you are as well Dr. Carmen if anyone wants to send us a message and ask a question about how, you know how to to make sure they're correctly vetting someone we'd be happy to yes. weigh in on that yeah yeah absolutely um we will also I will try to put some resources for you I have a lot more as far as where you can look to find professionals to do these things um that you know that they've been vetted like the National Provider of Health Services um directory or American Psychological Association you know find a provider or the Florida Psychological Association ha- also has a find a provider list mm-hmm. because all of the people on those lists absolutely have the credentials that they're supposed to have in addition to directing you um if you send us a message of how to, you know, look those things up on on the board of mental health or whatever the body is called in your state. That's excellent. Yeah, that's an excellent list and I'd love to see those in the the lineups as well and and on my end the only one I've mentioned and again because it's not a regulatory body but um just as a simple resource to go to online the uh, International Association of Reiki Professionals is IARP r e i k i .org I I'm sorry. I got dyslexic for a minute. Spell it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's i a r p mm-hmm. and then reiki which is r e i k i .org Great. Just in case some other people, you know, got those letters all jumbled up. Yeah. Reiki professionals. Got it. And we will include that definitely in the liner notes for you guys to have as well as how to contact Erin um if you are interested in her services. Um you know, we also talked about Erin having the right fit uh, yeah. with someone whether it's now you've vetted everybody's credentials, you know, do you give a consultation to let them know or to try to feel out if you are a good fit? I do 15-minute consultations for most people who contact me to try to get a feel if the issue is something I can work on, if you know, we are a good fit and explaining how I work, you know, I am cognitively behaviorally based uh-huh. um and trained um because I mentioned the Freudian aspect earlier, but it's mainly cognitive behavioral therapy. Wonderful. So you would want to know what your therapist's approach is and as you're talking to them that should be a question to ask but what should they you know be looking for if they're trying to find out if you you and they are a right fit That's a great question so I would say um well I absolutely do a 
like for, for mine, I use, I used to do a 15 minute consultation and I've found that people like to try an exercise of actually shifting some energies. So typically I'll spend the first 15 minutes just talking with someone about uh, what's going on for them, what they're looking for, what their goals would be in working together and um, what, what difficulties they're experiencing, um, what's causing suffering in their life. And then the second 15 minutes, typically I would walk them through something that uh, would be different for each individual depending on where they're at. I, I meet people where they're at um, and feel that they've really uh, experienced something that would help them, them know that this is the right type of work for them and this feels accessible to them, they're welcome to then purchase a, a package from me. And I do have several different package types. I also believe profoundly that I want this healing to be accessible to everyone. So my 30-minute consultation is not only limited to people who intend to potentially become a client. I'm also accessible to people who just are curious and they're seeking, um, you know, maybe I can seed for someone that helps them um, embarking on a spiritual awakening or something of that nature. Maybe I can direct them because of my extensive background and, and body of work knowledge um, to another practitioner who might be more beneficial for them. So I'm open to talking with anyone. And typically the outcome of one of my minute consultations is that we do typically move forward with the work um, I find it pretty easy to connect with people and so a lot of times um, I'll have potential clients who who do find that um, I can be pretty compassionate and and uh, a good fit for them and so uh, if they like what they've experienced in the the little sample session we'll move forward and I create a custom program for each individual so really led by the client. I do a lot of directing them in terms of what I know is is the right um, way to move them through their, their deep healing process. But they also have a lot of influence over the timing and the cadence of the work. When we're moving energies, Dr. Carmen, there can take some time to assimilate to the changes that have been made. So mm. for some people, they come... And for some people, it's like every three or four weeks. It just depends on the individual. So I don't have any tight parameters around uh, the timing or, you know, the, the cadence of the program. It's absolutely up to the individual's healing pace. Well, that's awesome to know. And I never would have thought, you know, that people need a different pace to kind of catch up to the changes that occur when you're working with the energies. Yeah, it's really interesting, um, especially if there's something that's really deeply held and out of uh, a, a person's energetic experience. Um, I'm thinking of someone I had yesterday. It kind of her for a little while, you know, she was like, wow, that was big. Um, you can actually have physical sensations in the body when we're moving energy. Mm -hmm. Um, you can feel exhausted afterwards. Similarly, you can feel like you've never been so alive in your life. <laughs> very different with each experience. And, and from session to session, um, people will have very, very different outcomes. And so 
also, you know, something that's a little different from a more traditional, um, like a psychotherapy practice like your own, is that I love um, available via text for for check-ins with someone after they've done a really deep healing session um, because sometimes they'll notice like later that night they just feel listless or you know some sometimes things can go a little wonky so I'm available to provide them with additional tools to help them reground or recenter themselves and those can be as simple as a guided meditation that I would send uh, I create things customized for each individual as well. So it's really a beautiful program. And I'm, I'm excited about the fact that Reiki is um, being brought into our awareness on, on a more global scale um, so that more people do have access to this. And uh, just glad to be, be you know, in the, the rank and file of those who can help others to heal. That's awesome. So... Um, I don't know how long um, you the exercise you were talking about is. So um, if we have time, I want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time. Sure. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that we could we could do it really simply right now and, and maybe just keep it to about two minutes. Sure. Okay, great. This is just sort of a, a high level, if you will, exercise. Um, if someone were really doing this for themselves, spend a little longer than two minutes but as I said each individual has such a unique experience that um, depending on how many energies you're sensing around you this could take um, one minute to five minutes um, and it, it just would would have to do with the flow of the energy around you but just start uh, you and I Dr. Carmen by taking a couple of deep cleansing breaths you can breathe at your own pace just focus on breathing in in slowly through the nose and exhaling more slowly through the mouth and as you're breathing deeply we will both set this shared intention that we're going to release any energies not our own the action that we're doing as we're breathing deeply is we're just relaxing into allowing we're just putting our bodies and our minds into a state where we're not holding. So allowing any energy which is not your own or which is no longer serving you, any energy which is out to be transmuted for the highest and best good of all, And now sometimes in this moment, just to add a little humor, Dr. Carmen, I always picture in the end of Charlotte's Web when all of the little spider babies go flying off with their parachutes. This is how I see the energies flying off of you right nice. now. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. It helps to let it go like that with some it's visual imagery. Dark. And now finally, yeah. recall your own energy back to yourself all of that wonderful Carmen Sears energy that is unique to you. Call it all back to yourself. That it's been cleansed and refreshed and revitalized just for you. And it's astonishing you'll 
feel it. You'll recognize when, ooh, this is my flavor. (laughs) (laughs) And a good rule of thumb here is that your own energy cannot overwhelm you. So anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, that's a call to action to take two minutes. Guys, focus your awareness on your breath and just release energies which are not your own. And now for one who might be confused as to why you'd need a Reiki practitioner when you can do this on your own, this wouldn't necessarily give us relief from those really older energies that, that we've buried into a chakra or something like that. And that's why we, we need some assistance to do the deeper work an excellent quick go-to that I do at least four times a day. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. And again, pairing it with the imagery you gave us helps, but I've been doing meditative practices for a while now, so I know it's easier for me Mm -hmm. to allow that process and to go with that process and also reconstitute, so to speak. um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's different to be able to say, you know, let the little spiders go free in their their parachutes. So it's not something that I need to watch or be vigilant about anymore. And then I got this purple imagery of the my energies coming back. Ah. And it's just like, oh, I like this purple and, you know, feel happy with this purple. So I love that. You're probably seeing aura colors. That's fantastic. I see you as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like a fuchsia purple. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that is awesome. And we'll put the, you know, the link to the specific reel you mentioned if they want to catch you on Instagram and try the practice as you just did it here and also see it in practice in Instagram. I've learned a lot. And I, you know, just a great inaugural podcast interview. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for going on the journey with me. You, I appreciate you as well. You're a wonderful individual and anyone would be fortunate to be working with you or, or to talk with you in any capacity. Thanks for having me.